got something to share on my heart. Y'all ready for this? You know, Christmas time, you know, if you're in ministry, two times, believe it or not, are a little bit challenging to minister because they're religious times, and that's Christmas and Easter. I don't know if you've ever heard anybody say that, but it's true. But um, anyway, uh, so I want to talk about the virgin birth and why it's important today. It's the foundation of what we believe, but I got a little bit different slants. So we, can we talk about this? And really what, what I want to share, it's, it's important for us to know it, but it's even more important when we go out the doors of this building to, to share it with other people. How many hear what I'm saying? So, so the very foundation of Christianity is the virgin birth. Now, you know, I know that Jesus wasn't born on December 25th, and I know all the pagan stuff that goes along with the December 25th. I get that. But thank God, the way I think about it is, thank God the world recognizes the birth of Jesus Christ. Whether it's the right time or not, or, or whatever, all this other stuff that's mixed up uh, uh, with it, thank God that the world accepts and recognizes that Jesus was born, right? So that's what I thank God about. But, um, you know, um, there is no salvation without the belief in the bir virgin birth. And uh, as our culture moves away from its Christian roots, Jesus has lost his place in our culture in speaking to how we live life and, and to what we do. I've got a quote, and I read this. I've, been, I've read this for the past few years, but we got so many new people, I thought this year I'm going to do this again. I've got a, a quote from a book that's over 80-something years old. I'll read in just a minute. And it's really uncannily prophetic as to the day that we're living in. So I want to make this quote. Listen to this. Uh, if a culture doesn't believe that the Bible is the inspired word of God, and that's our culture right now in a large way, not the Christian culture, but the people around us who don't know the Lord. If a culture has no consciousness of sin, if a culture doesn't believe in punishments for sin after death in hell, and then the lake of fire, then, then that group of people will see little need for a Savior who died for us. Do you know that? I want to expand on that just a little bit, look at it a little bit closer. If a culture doesn't believe the Bible is the inspired Word of God. How many know this book is called Inspired? In fact, that comes from 2 Timothy 3.16. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. New International Version says it this way. All Scripture is God-breathed. And that's what the word inspiration means. It's as much the word of God as if, he, as if he touched your face with the breath from his mouth while he's talking. And then Second Peter mentioned it this way. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. And the Bible was written over a span of uh, between 1,600 and 2,000 years uh, uh, from a, a group of people, 40 different people that didn't know each other, but none of the Bible in its original writings ever contradicts another passage. That's incredible. Above all, he says, you must understand no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things for prophecy, and that's the Bible, never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along. This is New International Version. Swept along by the Holy Spirit. They didn't know what they were going to say, and the Holy Spirit inspired them. And so, again, we believe the Bible is the Word of God, and it's the Word of God for every generation. How many hear me? We have 66 books that are inspired that we call the Bible, and uh, thank God. And so if the culture doesn't believe 
that the Bible is the inspired Word of God. Let me also say that the Bible, this is a compass for, for fallen human beings. How many hear me? Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. And the word of God enlightens us and shows us how to live in a fallen world. And, and we got a lot to say about that, but let's keep going. If a culture doesn't believe the Bible's the inspired word of God, then if a culture has no consciousness of sin, that's a big problem today. Even pastors hardly talk about sin today. When I was a little boy in the 60s, uh, I mean, it was hellfire, brimstone, damnation, here you go. If you don't get right with God, you're going to hell. And, you know, there's a place for that. Uh, maybe not every Sunday to believers, but our culture desperately needs to know that we are sinners in need of a Savior. And by and large, they don't know that today. Romans 3.23, everyone sinned. And we'll, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Matthew 15, 19, Jesus said, From the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. He said it comes up from the heart of man. And then, of course, Jeremiah 17, 9, the prophet Jeremiah uh, to, the, to the backslidden Israelites said, The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is in juxtaposition to what's being taught to our children today? Our children are taught that man is intrinsically good, that, that really all you need to do is educate us and that spark of goodness will just come to life. That is not what the Bible teaches. And that's a real problem today. To, the, the idea today is don't even correct your child. Let your child grow up and, and be what they are. If you don't correct your child and you let them be what they are, they will be a sinner. And it's according to what side. You can, you can be a real nice sinner or a real nasty sinner. But you, we're just sinners. How many hear me? And uh, so, again, that comes from the belief that we're intrinsically good and that we're not sinful and that we, we need no Savior. And see, that's uh, in America today, there are forces. It's really the spirit of Antichrist that's loosened the world today, trying to erase all vestige of Christianity from the belief system of the masses. Did you hear what I'm saying? Sadly, that spirit of Antichrist right now has infiltrated our government, and it's infiltrated the school systems all over this nation. How many hear me? And it's up to us to stand our ground if they're teaching our children what we sh they should never be taught in public schools. I say, if you can, pull them out. And I say, homeschool and put them in a Christian school. If you're going to have your ch children in a public school, you need to be there. And you need to find out what they're being taught, what's being said in the classroom. And go challenge it. Challenge it to your children. And go to the teachers. And go to the PTA meetings and challenge. How, how many hear what I'm saying? It's real quiet when you talk about all that. But see, that if, if a culture has no consciousness of sin, and that's the culture today. Do what you want to do. You know, it's kind of like the time of the judges. Every person did what was right in their own eyes. And I hear that a lot. Well, that might be right for you, but that's not right for you, me. Or that's not right for me, that might be right for you, right? That's, that's the thinking today, and that's wrong thinking. The Bible is a guide. It's a standard. In fact, the Ten Commandments that God gave Moses on top of Mount Sinai, the reason God gave them to Moses is so that fallen man, in a, in a sin-cursed world, could know how to navigate life and get along with each other. And uh, so thank God for the Judeo-Christian ethic that this nation was founded on, right? And you need, we need to keep that moving in our lives and our children. 
the next thing here, listen to this. If a culture doesn't believe the Bible is the inspired word of God, if a culture has no consciousness of sin, if a culture doesn't believe in punishment for sin, after death in hell and then the lake of fire. Now, there's a real strong belief in America today that everybody's going to heaven regardless of who you are. And the idea behind that is, is that God is too loving and too good to allow anybody to go to hell. That is not what the Bible teaches. You know, there was a, uh, y'all are really quiet today. Just listen. There was a, 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 a well-known, uh, I don't know if I ought to say his name. I guess I could. Uh, there was a well-known um, uh, minister in Tulsa, Oklahoma, when I was there. He came up through the ranks. He graduated from ORU and uh, actually was on their board of directors. He started a large church in Tulsa uh, back in the 80s. Actually, it grew to a mega church, and they actually bought the building. I think I said this a few weeks ago. They actually bought our building uh, when we built another one, the church I was a part of. And, uh, and this pastor, just, uh, he, just went off the, he just went off the path. And he began to teach universalism, that there is, uh, there is no hell. And that everybody's going to heaven. See, that's a demon spirit that does that. Demon spirits propagate the belief that you can do what you want to do. And all roads lead to heaven. That is not what the Bible teaches. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth. The life. No man comes to the Father except through me. In fact, Hebrews 9.27 teaches this. And just as it is destined, one per, each person is destined to die once. And after that comes judgment. That's a shocking way to say it. But the Bible is very clear and plain that, that, that our life uh, goes beyond this current earthly life in a physical body. The Bible teaches we are spirit beings encased in physical bodies and at death, death is just simply death is just simply a moving from the physical body into eternity. And it's what we do with Jesus Christ that determines where we go. There are only two places. You're not going to reincarnate into a bug or a flea or a dog or an animal. You're not going to reincarnate into another be another human. Now, a lot of that's being taught in America today because of the amalgamation of other religions are coming in. They teach that kind of stuff in uh, India. I've been to India a lot of times, and they have a deep, deep belief in reincarnation and karma and all this kind of stuff. The Bible teaches you're, you're, you die one time and then judgment comes. See, it's not a popular topic, but it's a true topic. And we need to know it and hear it. And the only way to prepare for that judgment is to make Jesus Lord. Jesus, and we'll talk about it in a minute, became our sin judgment so that we would not be judged. Is that good news? And without Jesus in your life, you're judged for your own sins. So Revelation 21.8 is very clear. I think I mentioned this Wednesday night. I taught on child training Wednesday night and actually mentioned this verse. Revelation 21.8, but cowards, unbelievers, the corrupt, murderers, the immoral. That's across the board. Those who practice witchcraft, idol worshipers, all liars, their fate is in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is New Living Translation. Uh, this is the second death. The second death is eternal separation from God and all that is good. Any person that leaves this life without Jesus will go to the lake of fire one day. I, that's a challenging thought. In fact, Revelation 20 verse 15, all that were not found recorded in the book of life, were thrown into the lake of fire. That's challenging. So, you know, if you're watching me online or you may be in the room today visiting with a friend or maybe you just came and sit. Are, are, you, are, are you going to heaven 
Or is your eternal state going to be the lake of fire? What you do with Jesus determines that. So again, if a culture doesn't believe the Bible, I'm going to mention this several times, if a culture has no consciousness of sin, if a culture doesn't believe in punishment for sin after death in hell and then the lake of fire, then there's little need for a Savior. Right? Who died for us. So we sing in these little songs, they mean nothing. If you don't believe what the Bible has to say, Jesus said it, John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish. Perish well in hell, in the lake of fire. Should not perish but have everlasting life. So let me read that quote one more time. If a culture doesn't believe the Bible is the inspired word of God, if a culture has no consciousness of sin, if a culture doesn't believe in punishment for sin, after death and hell, then the lake of fire, then that group of people will see little need for a Savior who died for us. And that's where we are in America right now. How many hear me? And that's the reason we need to know what we know and believe it and understand it well enough to explain it to people. Uh, John three nineteen and 20 says, Judgment is based on this fact, that God's light came into the world. Next week we'll hold some lights up. That light represents the light that Jesus is to the world, right? Um, but people love darkness more than life for their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go, uh, refuse to go near it for fear their sins are exposed. And so again, because of uh, political correctness of our day and because of the mass immigration and migration of people from one nation to another. Now we have multiculturalism in America. America was founded, how many know that? And I say this constantly, was founded by people who wanted religious freedom. Don't, don't believe what they're spouting in history classes today. You got to probably go back prior to 1950, 1940 to find a, a history lessons that are not skewed. How many hear me? And there's a big revisionist thing taking place today. But uh, the uh, multiculturalism that's happening, particularly in America, which heretofore has been, has been uh, shown as a Christian nation, that's urging believers to mute their voices and be quiet about who they are. This is not a time to be mute. This is not a time to be silent. How many hear me? Now, I want to I go here right now. There's a quote I got from a book. By, uh, it, the book's title is The Name of Jesus. It's written, written by Essex uh, W. Kenyon. He was born in 1860 and died in 1947. And I've read, I think, every book that he ever, that's the old, they've got a newer version, but that's the old version I have right there. There you go, see. Um, anyway, I, I've read that book a number of times, and I just thought uh, yesterday, I think I'll read that book again. I went back and read this quote that I got from pages 13 and 14. But uh, I think he didn't realize it, but I think uh, Mr. Kenyon was, Dr. Kenyon, was uh, prophetic when he wrote these words over 80 years ago. Listen to this. The deity of the man of Galilee is the crux or the most important part of Christianity. If this can be successfully challenged, then Christianity has lost its heart and will cease to function. It will become a dead religion. There is no denial that the challenge of his deity has already had its reactionary effect up upon society. And again, this is written over 80 years ago. If Jesus is not deity, he's not Lord. If he is not Lord, then he cannot interfere with our moral activities. And you see what's happening in America today? There are any, any morals go. 
We used to call, talk about the morals of an alley cat. It's worse than that in America now. Would you agree? And so he says, if he's not Lord, then the laws that have been founded upon his teaching have lost their force. The morals that surround marriage, and that is between a man and a woman. How many hear me? With its lofty ideals has no basis of fact. Listen, if Jesus of Nazareth is not a revelation from God with a divine authority, then he is but a man. And if he's but a man, all we have built around him must be destroyed. And we have built around this man our modern, or you could say Western, civilization. Did you hear me? There is no way we can, can continue with the blessing and the prosperity and the freedoms that we've enjoyed if you take Jesus out of the center of the, of, of the, of the thing. How many hear me? And so he goes on to say, he has been the inspiration of young men. They have kept themselves clean and pure as they have looked upon his wonderful life and sought to win his smile. Young women in the secret of their chamber have looked upon the face of the man of Galilee and have pledged to preserve the purity of their womanhood, that they might be found worthy of the love and confidence of the man who died 2,000 years ago. Children have been incited to obedience and purity by the example and teachings of this man. Businessmen have been deterred from crooked dealings by the consciousness that one day they would meet that man and give account of the deeds done in the office. Men of all walks of life felt a strange kinship with this man who walked the shores of Galilee, solitary among a multitude. To say that he was but a good man is an insult. To say that he was the highest expression of deity and humanity is to throw the lie in his face. Jesus is or he is not what he said he was. We have no record of his sayings nor of his doings outside of the four gospels. And if we repudiate them, then we have but a mythical picture of the man. If we challenge, uh, if, if we challenge one of them, we have a right to challenge all of them. Either he stands or falls on these four biographical sketches, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If he's not the Son of God, who is he? He says, I want to believe he's an incarnation. I want to believe that he dealt with a sin problem. I want to believe that he died for my sins and that he rose again for my justification. I want to believe that he's seated at the right hand of God today as the intercessor and mediator of the human race. I want to believe that what he said about heaven is true. In my Father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. And he ends it by saying, skepticism holds no guarantee for my future. Civilization has not only been builded around this man, but he has been builded into civilization. If you destroy his character, his standing, his place, then civilization must disintegrate. Wow. The wave of crime and lawlessness that is sweeping over the land is but a byproduct of the modernist's challenge of his integrity. So see, Jesus, do you take Jesus out of a culture? It goes, it goes, it goes down immediately. Listen, I've been in my travels, I've had over 40 short-term missions trips to various places. And you know, there's some really dark places in the world. Many of you I know are veterans, you've been all over the world, or maybe your job has taken you to other nations and you've traveled a good bit. I'm telling you, you can tell once you once you open the plane door and step out, you can tell the atmosphere of a nation. How many hear me? And if there is an absence of God and there's an absence of truth, 
then you feel the darkness in every single thing you do. And that's the reason that America has been, they call it the city on the hill. We've lost our light, y'all. And we desperately need to get it back. So the virgin birth is all important to every single one of us. And we have an awesome uh we have an awesome opportunity this time of the year to share the things of God with people that, that may not put themselves in positions to hear it. How many hear me? So for the next last few minutes here, let me talk about why we need a virgin birth. A lot of people don't even know why the virgin birth is even important. I have 10 points we'll get to in just a minute. First of all, let's, um, let's talk about the incarnation, the word incarnate uh, in Latin, in Cairo, in flesh. It means endowed with a human body to give bodily form to, to be the type or embodiment of. It means a taking on of human form. The Bible declares that Jesus the Christ pre-existed the baby in the manger. And that God Almighty actually came and, and clothed himself with sinless flesh. The first prophecy of that was Genesis 3.15. I will cause hostility. Uh, God talking to the uh, serpent. I will cause hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. Satan's offspring is the unregenerate human race, but her offspring. Now that's people, it's hidden, but there's a prophecy there of a person that would be born independent of a man being involved. A woman would have a baby with a man having nothing to do with it. And so it says her offspring. In the Bible, the offspring is always, they, they trace lineage from the man's side of the family. Not here. He says he will strike your head and you will strike his heel. So again, that's the first prophecy of a coming redeemer. Uh, because God loved the human race so much after it fell, he decided to do something about our sin. Isaiah 7, 14, very clear. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin. See, the, vir the virgin. Here's a, here's, here's a woman marked through the centuries of time. And, and therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. 700 years before it happened, Isaiah the prophet saw it. Behold, the virgin shall conceive, bear a son, and she'll call his name Emmanuel. Isaiah 9, 6, it spans a lot of time. For unto us a child is born. And that's the human side of Jesus. But then it says, unto us a son is given. That's the deity side of Jesus Christ. He was the God-man. And it says, and then it, it, it takes time and, and just expands it. And you see the very end of time. The millennial reign of Christ, the thousand year reign of Christ after he comes back. And it says, and the government will be upon his shoulder. How awesome will it be when Jesus reigns the earth? Not the Antichrist, not human government, Jesus himself. That's an exciting time, would you say? And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. Isaiah 53. Now it's a little masked here as well, but it speaks of a virgin birth. My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. Uh, uh, seeds won't germinate without water. And so this is talking about a seed that germinates in an unusual way. It's not natural generation. It's, it's God doing something in a supernatural way. And then Micah chapter 5 verse 2. But you Bethlehem Ephrathah. 
style, you try to say that. Though you were little among the thousands of Judah, it's just an endearing way of saying Bethlehem. Though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, and this kicker is the last phrase, whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. So that's talking about the pre-existence of Christ prior to the baby in the manger. He came from heaven and, and indwelt a, a human body. And while I'm talking about that, listen to this. So uh, the angel appeared to Mary. It's not in my notes. Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know or I have not had intimate relations with a man? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. And uh, the scientific community, I think they um, have said, I have read this, that there is no blood uh, in the unfertilized ovum of a woman. But with the introduction of the male sperm comes the blood. The life of the flesh Leviticus says, is in the blood. Jesus' blood didn't come from a human. Jesus' blood came from God. Mary, you say, well, how did Mary get pregnant without a man being there? You know what? You'll have to ask God when you get to heaven. Uh, the, here's the question. Will you believe that the Holy Spirit can come upon a woman and have her get pregnant with God? That's what the Bible teaches. I mean, that's, that's the very, very foundation of what we believe. Do you honestly, have you, is that a mental ascent head knowledge? Or do you know that you know that Jesus is a different kind of human than anybody that's ever lived? In Jesus Christ is the love of God. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. See, Jesus preexisted humanity. He was the second member of the Trinity uh, from the eons of time past. And God so loved us that when he, uh, you know, in the annals of history, perhaps, perhaps we'll know more about this when we get to heaven. We see through a, we, we see very unclearly, but we do know that evidently something happened in heaven and God had a plan so that when he created man and he created him in, in his image, Genesis 1, in his likeness, and he gave him a human will. Why did God give us a will so we wouldn't be automatic robots? So that we would love him freely. Not because we had to, but because we want to, right? And so God put man in the Garden of Eden with the, with the tree of life in the middle and then another tree called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There was a test of the human will. But see, God knew ahead of time what, what we, that we would fail the test. And see, that's why to me the incarnation of Jesus, the virgin birth of Jesus is amazing. Before God even created man, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit obviously had some kind of a, a meeting and they declared, what are we going to do if man fails the test? What are we going to do if he sins against us? And does what we ask him not to do, takes his will and twists it against us. And in my, in my heart, in my mind's eye, I've seen, I've seen the second member of the Trinity say, I'll tell you what I'll do. Said, I'm willing to go and take their place. And, and take their sin upon myself. I'm willing to incarnate myself in a physical body. And live like they live. Face every temptation that they face. Go through all the normal things that a natural human being goes through. But I will be God made flesh. 
And I will, I will defeat their enemy. I will whip him at every corner, at every turn. I will show them how to walk with God and how to work with the laws of physics and even override them when necessary. And then I myself will become their sin. See, what people don't realize in today is that God is holy. He's love. I've said this many times, but he's also holy. And unholy things can't go through the pearlies, through the pearly gates. You won't get through there unless you're holy. And you can't make yourself holy. Your giving, your niceness, the good things you do for people, it's not enough. Those are works. Human works stink before a holy God. Did you hear me? The only work that will get you into heaven is the work of Jesus. When he became a man, 33 and a half years of age, he willingly gave his life. And he willingly became our sin. Scripture says, him who knew no sin was made to become our sin. Why was Jesus made to be sin? How could he, how could he identify with our sin? And, and how could he be made liable for the sins of the entire human race? And why did Jesus have to come? Why can't God just forgive our sins without Jesus, without Jesus coming? See, people have all these questions. If God is so good, then why, why can't he just forgive us? Because it would make us a pauper. It, it would devalue us so badly. If God forgave our sins without justice being met because of our wrongdoing, then he, could do, then he would have to forgive Satan for turning against him in heaven. Go read about it in Ezekiel 28. Iniquity was found in Lucifer. His name was Lucifer. We call him the devil. Satan has got 12 titles in the Bible. But iniquity was found in him in heaven. He turned a third of the angels of God against him. And caused an insurrection in heaven. It's hard to believe you think heaven's a perfect place. It was a perfect place until sin was found in Lucifer. And then he gossiped. If you're a gossiper, you're doing the devil's business. He gossiped against God to, to the angels of heaven. A third of them believed him, Bible scholars say. And they fell. God kicked them out of heaven. And they fell to the earth. It's a big story. I don't have time to go through the whole thing. But you got to understand that if God just simply forgave our sin, God would have to forgive Satan for what he did. Huh? And then if God forgave us and, and without any judicial part or judicial price to pay, then he has to forgive Satan and Satan could hold it out against God and God would be less than perfect. You've got to understand justice and judgment, Psalm 89, 14. I'm not in my notes right now. Are the, are the foundation of the throne of God. God is love. God is holy, but God is also just. And you're not about to get to heaven just because you're a good person. And God can't forgive you just because he loves you. Did you know there will be people in hell that, that God loves deeply? See, when I said that, I can see Judas, Jesus looking at Judas. Remember, you remember the passion of the Christ? He looked down that alleyway. And Jesus just laid his eyes on him. What Jesus carried his cross, looked at him. See, Jesus loved Judas. Judas went to hell. It's a shock, isn't it? 
I would go to hell. And so would you. If Jesus Christ hadn't come and took our place and judicially took the price of sin, Jesus said the wages of sin is death. It's spiritual death, it's physical death, and it's the second death. There's three kinds of death spoken of in the Bible, right? Jesus became our spiritual death. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was hanging on the cross. 2 Corinthians 5, 21, he made him who knew no sin to be made our sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. When Jesus died, he didn't die for himself. The Bible says the soul that sins will die. Jesus never sinned. How many hear me? Scripture's clear. He never sinned in what he said, in what he thought, or how he acted. He never sinned, or even his motives. They were all pure. Now, Jesus became our sin. When did Jesus become our sin? When he was hanging on the cross. What does that mean? That means... God held Jesus liable for you. Every, uh, every wrong thought you've ever entertained in your mind that nobody knows but God. Every word, surreal word that you've spoken that you wish you could take back but you can't. Jesus became that. Everything you've done, even behind closed doors that nobody knows about. Maybe a lot of things other people have, have seen and you're ashamed of. Jesus became that. He became our sin. He became our shame. Why? Because of the justice of God. You can't go to heaven as a spirit being without being cleansed. Because no impurity can stay in heaven. That's the reason when, when Satan sinned, the scripture says he was kicked out of heaven. Jesus said in Luke 10, 17, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. That's what Lucifer means, light bearer, light one. He saw him fall. Do you hear me? If he kicked Satan out of heaven because he sinned, what right do you have to go if you're in sin? I never said it that way. Does that make sense? See, people don't understand Jesus today. So they don't value our celebrating the birth of Jesus. Do you understand? Friends, without Jesus, you'll go to hell. And I, I still hear people, well, I'll, I'll be in, I, I've seen it on movies. Well, well, you'll be in hell with me. They think being in hell is a badge of courage. No, it's a badge of stupidity and ignorance. Once you go there, you can't come back. Kenneth Hagin, I went to his Bible school in 1980 when he was 16 years of age. He was unsaved and he had a Incurable. I just want to cry. I feel y'all. He was uh, very sick and he died. And it's in his book, I believe, in visions. He had eight visions of Jesus in the 1950s. And I've heard him talk about this in person many, many times as we lived in Tulsa all those years. But he said when he died, his, uh, his spirit left his body and he went down, down. Further down he got, the darker it got. It's like he was in this, in this tunnel of darkness and a being had a hold of him. And he said he went down, 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 and suddenly he began to see flickers of light on the walls of darkness as he says it around him. Then he kept going down, 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 down. Dark, 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 dark. And then the flickering lights of hell. He looked below him and he saw the flames of hell. 
He saw the burning sulfur. He saw the orange orb flame. And gates began to open and the being was about to push him into hell. And he knew once he got, went through those gates, he'd never come back. And a voice spoke. It wasn't an English voice. It was another language. And that being let him go and his spirit got back in his body. That happened several times. He's got a book entitled, I Went to Hell. Friends, hell is a real place. But the average American doesn't want to think there is a hell. You ought to have the experiences I've had. There's the book. You ought to have the experiences I've had of being in the room with someone who's about to die. I've never seen anybody any more ill at ease than a person that doesn't know where they're going when they die. Do you hear me? I mean, they'll hold on to everything they can just to stay here. And there's something about death we recoil at. The average American psychologist, say, thinks about death about seven times a day. But the moment we do, we push it out of our minds. When you're young, you little think about death. Because that's a long way off. I can promise you get older, you think about it a whole lot more. Because it's not too many steps ahead of you. When you're young, I, I, I've been near death six times. I know how it feels. It's scary because your spirit doesn't want to leave. God never created us to die. God created us as human beings in physical bodies that had the power of rejuvenation. Every cell except for the brain stem. Every 7 to 11 years. He created us to live in these bodies for eternity. But because of sin, the soul that sins will die. We die spiritually. And because we die spiritually, we die physically. And then once you die physically and spiritually without a rebirth, the second death comes in view, which is eternally being judged and cast into the lake of fire. That is not common knowledge today. And mo a, a lot of people, a, a lot of Americans think they're immune from hell and immune from judgment because they're good. How many hear me? That is not what the Bible teaches. So Jesus' incarnation, what does it do? It gives us hope. And you grab your faith a hold of your hope. Hope is something you want Hope is something you desire. And the way that Jesus came, lived, and died. In fact, I was reading the other day, an atheist were, was writing about Christianity and about the Beatitudes and about the, and just about the, um, the social ramifications of what Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 7, where he taught the Sermon on the Mount, we call it. And even an atheist <coughs> said, He said this, he said, um, <coughs> excuse me, y'all. He said, I've, I've, I've <coughs> looked at the records and I've researched history. And he said, in all of the um, cultures of the world, in history, he said, I've never seen a better standard of living than that presented by Jesus of Nazareth on the Sermon on the Mount. Even an atheist said that. That's amazing. See, Jesus was a different person. He wasn't a natural person. God was his father. He was a sinless human being. How many hear me? You're not created to die, you're created to live. And see, Jesus gives us hope that even if we live out our natural life and we die, 
that absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. There are ten, I've got these ten things in my notes. Let me cover them quickly here and we'll go home. Y'all good? It's quiet in here. Y'all listening? Thinking? Ten things only Jesus Christ can do. Jesus, number one, was born in fellowship with God. That's the reason the Holy Spirit came on Mary. What did Mary do for Jesus? We should never worship Mary. Mary Mary was a natural, sinful human being. Some religions worship Mary. Demons will lead you to worship Mary. No, Jesus was born in fellowship with God. Why? Well, Mary simply clothed Jesus with sinless flesh. His life, his human life came from Mary. But when the Holy Spirit came on her and impregnated her, Jesus' life came from God. Now, that's amazing, right? I don't want to get into all this, but, you know, science says that I guess a woman is born with all of the ovum in her body that she's going to have lifelong, right? Huh? They're not, they're, there's no human there until that ovum is impregnated with a sperm. Is that right? So think about what happened to Mary with, with the Holy Spirit. Wow. So can I ask you a question? Do you believe Do you believe in the virgin birth? Do you believe God can do that? If you don't believe that, you cannot be a Christian. Right? I just want you to think a little bit on this rainy Sunday morning. Number one, that means Jesus was born in fellowship with God because he had no earthly father. Secondly, he was born free from Satan's rule. Every human being born with a mom and a dad that are human, you're born automatically under Satan's jurisdiction. He's got a right to rule and dominate. When Adam and Eve sinned, they're the federal head of the human race. And what happened to them happens to every single human being after them. The soul that sins will die. And we, when we're born, in fact, David said in Psalm 51, 5, I'm not in my notes, y'all. Behold, I was shapen, formed in iniquity and sin did my mother conceive me. It's not talking about the act of conception. It's saying that the, from the moment my human life began, I'm a sinner. That's what the Bible teaches. If you've never embraced that, if you've never believed that about yourself, you cannot be saved. Did you hear what I just said? Hmm. Jesus was born free from Satan's rule. Satan dominates every human being that's born except Jesus. Because God was his father and his blood was not normal human blood. He had the blood of God in his veins. Number three, Jesus was uh, without sin himself because he was born of a virgin. Number four, uh, he had only one human parent. Jesus, uh, the, our Savior, had to have only one human parent. No other person can save us. Why? Because every human being born with two parents is born in sin, born under Satan's jurisdiction, born meaning they're going to die, they're death doomed. Number five, Jesus had to be immortal. That means not subject to death. You remember in the Gospels when they would take Jesus to the very end of a cl- edge of a cliff. They got so angry at him, and he, they were going to throw him off the cliff. And Jesus, you know, because his time had not yet come, just walked right through. <laughs> just walked right. That happened several times. 
Jesus said, no man takes my life from me, I give it up myself. Wow. Why did he have to say that? Jesus was immortal. Mortal means subject to death. Jesus was not subject to death until he became your sin. Do you all hear me? I know it's early Sunday morning. I'm making you think, right? Number six, the person who saves us from sin has to be able to legally pay for our sin. And what does that mean? That means he's got to be sinless. Did you know Jesus was sinless? He was human and divine. And that means he was not under Satan's rule. He wasn't mortal. He wasn't subject to death. And he wasn't sinful. Wow, number seven. Jesus had to, be, uh, had to conquer death and give us an ability to defeat our enemy. I don't know about you, but that's really cool. When Jesus was raised from the dead, he said, All authority is given to me in heaven and in earth. You go now and make disciples. Jesus took the authority. God gave legal authority to Adam and Eve when they were first born, when they were first created. Behold, I give you authority. He told them to have authority over the birds of the, uh, birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and over everything. I give you dominion. And that dominion that God gave Adam and Eve, they gave it away to Satan when they sinned, right? He, he became the God of this age, Paul said. He became the prince of this world. He's the spirit that works in the sons of disobedience, Ephesians 2 says. Every human being is under Satan's uh, tyranny, until they know Jesus Christ as Savior. Jesus wasn't. And then when Jesus died for us, became our sin, when he went to hell, took our place in suffering, and judicially paid for our sin, and then when he was raised from the dead, he gave us his authority. He gave us the authority that Adam and Eve had that they gave away to the devil. He gave it back to you. Hooey. Number eight, Jesus makes immortality immortality available to us you know we were never created to die we were created to live for eternity in physical bodies and again that's the reason that we recoil against death but the good news is at the rapture of the church the physical body of believers comes back it'll be not a flesh and blood body a flesh and bone body Jesus body came out of that grave is that cool and your body's going to come out of a grave one day and reunite with your spirit that's in heaven if you, if you go to be with Jesus first. Is that right? Is that exciting? Number nine, Jesus removes the curse from the earth. When Jesus comes back at his second coming, defeats the Antichrist, defeats the false prophet, the religious person working with him, and they're cast into, the, they're, they're cast into hell uh, awaiting the lake of fire. And Jesus goes through the millennial reign of Christ. Then after that, there's the new heavens and new earth wherein dwells righteousness. All of the curse that was placed upon the earth when Adam and Eve sinned is removed. Is that good news? You ought to be jumping and shouting. So that's what Jesus did. Number 10, Jesus completely restores us to our pre-fall conditions. That's what the virgin birth does. If you don't believe in the virgin birth of Jesus, you don't have any hope for the future. Is that good news? Now, i got a question for you. All that's kind of heady. And now you're looking at me like, okay, all right. So, so what are you going to do with that knowledge? So, so, so this next couple of weeks, we're going. some of you may be traveling. You've got family members that you're going to be seeing and talking to. Some people you only talk to a few times a year. Or you'll see siblings and you maybe you text them or email them or talk to them by phone several times a year. But you may be together. 
A lot of the people that you know and, and are aware of, even friends you have that you work with, they may not know Jesus as Savior. Do we have a responsibility to share this with them? Huh? Question, is there anybody in your life that you haven't shared Jesus with that you know? Yes, sir? Don't answer out loud, but think, is there anybody in your life that you've yet to share Jesus with? He wants to empower you to do that. And Christmas time's an excellent time. Because as we give gifts, like, like uh, Joshua said earlier, we give gifts because God gave the greatest gift to us. It's just We're just remembering what he did. I mean, our gifts don't near stack up to what his gift is, right? But you know what? God wants to use you. How many want to be used? So I've just got a question. If you were to die today, are you going to heaven? I would say the majority of people in the room was, oh, sure, yeah, yeah. Are you sure? Do you know that you know that you know that you're a believer? That Jesus Christ, the virgin-born Son of God, took your sin on the cross, and have you accepted him? Have you repented of your sin and made Jesus Lord? See, that's, that's the big question, right? And then Romans 10, 9 and 10, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved, right? So I want to do something. This is a little unorthodox. Can we do that? So don't go anywhere. But I want you to stand up on your feet. Don't go out the door yet. We're going to go in a minute. Y'all good? Yeah, what are you going to do? You'll find out. You ready for this? Mm. Now there are people watching online that may be watching at a future date. Will you throw that prayer on the screen? If you're here and you've never done this and you've never repented of sin, I want to give you a chance to do it. Is that okay? That means beginning today I'm different, right? That means beginning today I don't rule my life, Jesus does, right? So everybody, I want you to look at the screen. And if you need to say, some of you have already done this, most of you have, but there may be those that haven't. Can we do it for them? Lord, I pray for any person that's watching online or maybe in the room. And they've not yet given their lives to Jesus and repented of sin. Lord, may they receive today. Lord, may they have conviction of sin in their own life. And may they repent of their sin that has changed their mind about how they're living life. So I want you to say it. Pray it with me out loud. If you need this, pray it sincerely. God will hear your prayer. God, I repent of my sin. Today, I change my heart and mind about how I've been living my life. I ask you to forgive me for every sin that I have committed from the time I was born until today. I believe that Jesus Christ is the virgin-born Son of God, that He died in my place to pay for my personal sins, and that He rose from the dead to make me right with you. Jesus, I give you I give myself wholeheartedly to you for the rest of my life. Change my interests and my desires. Thank you, Father, for saving me from my sin. In Jesus' name. Would you lift your hands with me and just thank him? Lord, any person in this room, any person watching that prayed that, we just want to say thank you. And all of us in this room want to say thank you. Thank him for your salvation. Thank him for Jesus taking your sin. Thank you for Jesus being incarnate, the Son of God being incarnate in a human body to take your place in sin and suffering so that you can go free. Thank you, sir. 
Lord, we just give thanks. We just give thanks. Now, here's where the kicker comes in. I want you to, I want to encourage you. I know this is a little odd, but I want you to do this. What, what about this season, this Christmas, we become sensitive to the people around us? And what do you say we empower God by the, by the power of the Holy Ghost to, to use us to minister life to others? How many believe God could give you boldness to minister to others? I need a bunch of you to do this. I, if, you, if you're born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, I need you to come down front. Anybody can come. I just want you to make your way. And if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, come down here. You say, I want to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. There is the power of God available today. How many hear me? And it's power to be a witness. Jesus said you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you. And you'll be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, over all the world. And you know what? Jesus wants to empower us afresh. Yes or no? This, is, this tends to be a real religious time of the year. But you know what? I believe God wants to make it a spiritual time where you have conversations with people in the next couple of weeks during Christmas time. I'm going to believe God can empower you. If you're not baptized with the Holy Spirit and want to be, let me tell you what I'm talking about. Jesus told his disciples to wait in Jerusalem until they be clothed with power from on high. And he'll, he said, he said you'll, you'll, receive, uh, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you, right? And so the, the disciples waited for 10 days in Jerusalem in an upstairs room. And a Jewish feast day was the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit was poured out. Acts 2, 4, they were all, they the believers, 120 people that were left when Jesus ascended to heaven. They were praying in a room. And it says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them desire. God supernaturally empowered the early church and he wants to supernaturally empower the church today with the power of the Holy Ghost. So my question to you is, have you received the baptism with the Holy Spirit since you believed? And are you walking in the light of that? Why am I saying that? Because with that baptism with the Holy Spirit, immersion in the Holy Spirit, comes the power of God to be a witness. So there's one time that we're uh, baptized with the Holy Spirit, but we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit every day. Is that right? So here's what I want us to do as we close the service. Is that all right? Hallelujah. Let's sing through a song, and after we do that, I'm going to lead you into... Uh, the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And if you're not baptized with the Holy Spirit and you don't pray in the Spirit every day, you can before you leave. Is that all right? And I'm going to ask God to fill us with the Holy Ghost fresh, in a fresh way. How many want Him? Lift your hands up. Lord, we need you today as we sing this song. And Lord, as we pray, let the Spirit of God move in this room in a fresh way. Lord, we want to say thank you for the virgin birth of Jesus. Lord, thank you for who he is. Thank you for what he did for us. Thank you for him taking our place in suffering. Thank you for him becoming who we are so we can be who he is. As he is, so are we in this world. So, Lord, thank you. Let there be a fresh empowerment of every person in this room today. And, Lord, any person that is not baptized with the Holy Spirit, I pray that they would receive the fire from heaven, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and, the, and the, the ensuing boldness that comes with it. Lord, give us boldness to walk with you and to walk in the light and to be a representative and be an example of, to others. May they ask us questions. In Jesus' name, let's sing before we pray. What you got? You provide the fire. Come on now. And 
with the Holy Spirit or not, I want you to pray with me. If you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, pray with me out loud. If you want this experience, if you ask God for it, He'll give it to you. Luke, Jesus said in Luke 11, if you then being natural people uh, uh, give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? If you're born again, you're a candidate to receive. The baptism with the Holy Spirit. You don't have to be a perfect believer yet. That's the reason the Holy Spirit comes. He comes with fire to clean you up, right? Now you just have to have you just have to want God and have a heart for Jesus. If you have that and you're not baptized with the Holy Spirit, you can receive today. So here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. Now, if you don't want it, say I don't believe that. We'll just stand there. It's okay. But if you want it, it's available. That is the baptism with the Holy Spirit. It'll give you boldness, give you a love for Jesus, right? It's going to be great. Give you a new way to pray. You ready for that? So I'm going to pray a prayer. We're all going to pray out loud together again. If this is not something you want, just stand there. It's okay, but let us do this. Because God wants to minister life to everyone that wants it, right? So in the prayer, we're going to thank God for our salvation, for cleansing our sin. And then we're going to pray together. You're going to pray, repeat it after me. And then we're going to simply ask God to baptize us with the Holy Spirit from head to toe. In Jesus' name. The very last sentence of the prayer will be, And Father, I believe that I receive the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And I believe that I will speak with other tongues as the Holy Spirit gives me desire in Jesus' name. And we'll all say amen. When we say amen, that means so be it. Now, I'm going to start praying in the Spirit. And if you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, that's the time I want you to start praying in the Spirit. And if you're praying to receive, go ahead and start praying. You don't know what in the world's coming out your mouth, right? The supernatural part of being filled with the Holy Spirit and praying in the Spirit. It doesn't come from here. It comes from your heart. Jesus said, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. You ready for this? It's going to be amazing. Y'all ready? Everybody close your eyes. 
Come on, lift your hands. Put your hands up like you're about to receive something from the Lord. Come on. Pray with me out loud. If you want this, now's the time to pray. Ready? Pray out loud. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the Lord Jesus. I thank you for the new birth. I have been born again. Jesus is Lord of me. I've repented of my sin. I'm right with you based on Jesus' blood, Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And I thank you for it. And now, Father God, as your child, I ask you to baptize me with the Holy Spirit from the top of my head to the bottoms of my feet. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. The Acts 2-4 way, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in unknown languages as the Holy Spirit gave them desire. I believe right now I receive and that I will speak in other tongues as the Holy Spirit helps me. In Jesus' name, amen. Begin to speak. Come on, pray it out. You just got it, pray it out. that I've placed on the inside of you. The darkness that is coming will be darker than the darkness that has ever been experienced by any person on earth. But I have placed my light in you and my light will shine more brightly than it ever has in the days to come. So yield yourself to me. Yield yourself to me and you'll burn with my fire and you'll burn with my brightness and you'll burn with my glory and many will come to know me and say that God is in you of a truth. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, worship. Lift your hands and worship. Glory to God, we worship you. Lord, we worship you. If you just prayed to receive the baptism with the Holy Spirit, I hope you prayed out in other tongues. This is my, I've done this a lot. I've prayed with lots of people. You say, well, pastor, that's so unusual. I've never done that before. You're right, I hadn't either until over 44 years ago. And once I got baptized with the Holy Spirit, it changed my, over 47 years ago, it changed my world. And, uh, you know, once, you, once you're baptized with the Holy Spirit and you pray in the Spirit, you can pray anytime you want to. Paul said, I will pray with the Spirit. I will pray with the understanding. I'll sing with the Spirit. I will. I'll sing with the understanding. You can, with the same will, you can pray. You can pray in the Spirit, right? So one more time. Come on, lift your hands up. Close your eyes. Come on, pray in the Spirit. Those that are just freshly baptized, Lord, thank you. Come on, pray. Everybody pray. Come on, pray. 
Thank you for the power. Thank you for the light. Thank you for the glory. Thank you for the brightness of your glory, the brightness of your presence. Glory of Hakaya Sakriste Asust. Thank you. Thank you. All right, now I want you to stop listening to me. Before we go, I want you to close your eyes. Now, who in your life do you know that, that you need to share Jesus with? Who in your life? It may be family members. Who are you going to see in the next two weeks? Maybe co-workers, people that live in your community, family members. Get them in your mind. Mention them to the Lord. Close your eyes. Mention them to the Lord while I'm talking. Who is it that you know that doesn't know the Lord? Mention their name before God. He can hear all of you at once. Mention their names to him right now. Yeah. Come on, mention their names. Thank you, Father. Yes. 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 Mention their names. Now, Father God, every name that is mentioned, I pray. Lord, as people are mentioning the names of people they work with, family members, friends, people that live in their community, all of these names are coming up before the throne of God. Lord, we're asking you to open their hearts to you. Draw every person whose name has been mentioned to you by any person in this room or that's watching. Lord, draw them to yourself, I pray, in the name of Jesus. And Lord, open up pertinent, specific opportunities for them to hear the gospel. And Lord, may, may you use the people that are right here right now, this Christmas season, over the next two weeks. Lord, use us to share Jesus with others. Many of these names that we have named, use us to talk to them. Open up the opportunity. Lord, uh, help us to worm our way into a conversation that we had no idea would be had, where we just simply share who Jesus is to us with them. Lord, may it be, may it be that they come to know Jesus, are born again, and miss hell and go to heaven. Every name that is mentioned, we pray. In the name of Jesus, draw them. Lord, let labors cross their path. Satan, I command you, take your hands off of off the minds of every person that has been mentioned by a person in this room. In Jesus' name. And Lord, let the power of God, Lord, let it flow through each individual here. Glory to God. You got another song? You got another one? Before we go, y'all want to sing one more when we go home? Come on. Ask God right now to fill you with the Holy Ghost in a fresh way. Just ask Him. Lord, right now, individually, we need you. Lord, we want you in a dry and thirsty place. Fill us afresh with the Holy Ghost. Say it, Lord. Fill me afresh with the Holy Ghost before I leave. In Jesus' name. Thank you, sir. Oh, how he loves you and me. Yes, 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 yes. Sing it. Oh, how he loves you. Oh, how he loves you and me.
The Bible teaches that they that believe will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. If you need healing in your body, raise your hand up right where you're at. Just raise it up. Now look around for a hand around you. Find somebody with a hand raised up. Lay hands on them, anybody. All around. Keep your hand up. Raise it high so they know you're not just praising God. Raise it high. Come on. Now, Father, in the name of Jesus, as we go our way today, you say they lay hands on the sick. The believing ones lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. We curse the affliction. We curse the sickness. We curse the infirmity in the name of Jesus and just simply say be healed in the name of Jesus. Be made whole in the name of Jesus. Lord, may the infirmity leave. May the sickness leave. And may the healing power of God go into every person right now whose, hand, whose hands are being laid on them. In Jesus' name, be made well. In Jesus' name, thank you. Thank you. Everybody lift your hands up and thank God now. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Lord, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. If you'll put the, uh, the uh, text to, uh, for, for those that made Jesus Lord up on the screen. There you go. If you prayed today and made Jesus Lord, if you'll text uh, Jesus VC to 90, the, the number 94,000, we've got some stuff for you. Or come and see any of us. We'd love to talk with you. We've got some information for you. Is that okay? And Father, as we go our way today, I ask you, make us a blessing to others this week. May we not just keep what we have to ourselves. May you put us at a certain place, at a certain time, with a certain person. And may the Holy Spirit prick our heart and, and, and give us the words to speak. Words that will help them and minister life to them. May we simply share what you did for us in the context of the conversation. And may we have many that come to know Jesus. Lord, these names we presented to you, thank you for ministering to them in Jesus' name.